Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. As business owners and leaders, it can be very easy to fall into the trap of seeking out excitement or drama on our business path, particularly in recent times when, via social media, some entrepreneurs have gained an almost rock star status. But what if boring is better? And that's exactly what Tim and Alana discussed today, the power of being boring in your business the troubles it saves, the opportunities it creates, and the way to find the excitement in the detail. It's a really fun show. Hope you enjoy. There's definitely been a shift in the last few years around business builders becoming celebrities. And when we look at sort of the social media stars of business building, they're very highly celebrated and it's been a big shift in terms of, I guess, where there's a lot of interest and eyeballs in a direction. It's definitely been on entrepreneurship since the early 2000s in the first tech boom and then literally over the last 20 years where it's been very exciting to be in the fastest growing industry we've ever seen. So the byproduct of that, as I said, has been almost this celebrity status of business builders. And Lana Nige, It's a challenge that we see in our consulting business, not just from people starting their businesses or with great startup ideas, but even established business owners that have almost been sucked into this idea that business needs to be exciting for you to be successful. And I think it's worth discussing today because A, it's an interesting topic, but B, the 1% of people that are celebrated publicly around growing businesses, moving fast, the 99% of very, very successful businesses would almost be deemed as boring because you've never heard of them. Yet the people who own them and that build them, they're developing amazing companies, living amazing lives. But I think there's this illusion that unless you're public and making huge moves, you're not successful. And we need to talk today a little bit about that because it's not all about making big moves, Hail Marys and taking huge risks, Atlanta. No, no, it's definitely about the one percenters, as they call it on the football field. I personally like this topic because I wouldn't say I'm necessarily boring. (laughs) Definitely not. Sorry. Do do you guys want to jump in quicker? You are not. Thank you. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm boring, but in business, my perspective is definitely focused on the small win. But we're definitely boring business builders. Oh, absolutely. We are dull. Yeah. And others who probably look at us and that know us personally think that we're living an exciting entrepreneurial life. But the reality is most of the work that's being done is trying to repeat the things that work over and over again until they just become monotonous work. Do you think we've depressed a lot of people that are listening and go, are you serious? This is what, this is what, I'm, this is what I'm growing to do monotonous work that all it does is slowly grow my business and make money? I think also if you started your business younger, you definitely had the highs and lows of not having to anchor yourself to someone. You didn't have to pay a mortgage. You didn't have children to feed. So you could be all, I guess, flippity and you could have big emotional outbursts because your personal life was, you were younger. If you started business later in life, then you also have the heaviness of what comes with business that you have to make the wage, you have to pay for the life that you want to lead. My personal opinion is that's definitely where the boring is beautiful gets lost. It is a bit about that, isn't it? As you go through different life stages and you have responsibilities, it's not just you. You might have a partner, have a family, 
hopefully not leveraged up with bad debt and you're just needing to pay it down. So that's the type of pressure. Hopefully you've listened to a few of these other podcasts and realized that's not the sort of debt you want immediately. But you're right. Once there's that added pressure of other life responsibilities, where we started our business, we were like, well, what's it really matter? If we lose everything, we'll start again. And I know that was particularly my mindset in my 20s, which was, eh, I could still lose everything and rebuild. I got plenty of time. One of the things you don't know when you do that is starting again takes a lot of energy. It's not just time. Everyone's got time in their life, but it's a lot of energy if you have to start again a few times, by the way. So I wouldn't recommend it, but it's certainly something you think about. But as you start to develop more responsibility at different stages, you're probably not as maybe flippant with risk, do you think? It's a very good question. Possibly flippant with decision. So you are looking for that emotional roller coaster. You are looking for the really big highs to counteract them, obviously, because cause and effect, the really low lows versus as you get into it, as you become more mature in decision-making, decision-thinking, I do believe that you do look for the boring because you've been there, you've done that, and you've seen that the boring repetition, the day-to-day, the systems, the processes, the position descriptions, whatever it is that you're building for a foundation, they allow you to take those risks without that crazy up and down. I guess it's the boring, which is when a business becomes, I guess, under control, which I don't think it ever is under control. Being entrepreneurial, you'll always find a subconscious way of trying to grow, do things differently and innovate which you should be doing, by the way. So it's working out, am I excited enough about building a business that its goal is to repeat the things that we do well and consistently and keep scaling up that process? But a lot of people I find, and particularly more inexperienced type of business owners, they almost try and create drama when the business is starting to get under control because they're not used to running a business that's I guess, under control, that they know their financial position, they've got a plan, everyone's doing their job, and they're not used to that because they probably come from a startup environment where it's been up and down, sleepless nights, will we survive tomorrow, all those sort of things. But it does change and you actually have to acknowledge that it's not a bad thing to feel under control, even though it's probably an indicator that you personally as a business owner need to start looking elsewhere to start growing in different areas. Yeah. So finding excitement in smart decisions, not in causing more drama. Or the excitement of just having a normal week. No. Just, just, you know, <laughs> we, we did what the business was meant to do. It was a good week. I think we look at it in almost two stages. The first stage being when you start a business or you're young or you're getting into it for the first time, you've got to be excited about building this performance machine. You've got to be excited to turn your business into something that can repeat a process over and over again and deliver to a customer because that's exciting. But you have to be excited by that, not excited about the next big opportunity. That's where people, particularly smaller businesses that are under-resourced, they're always looking for the next big opportunity before they've got their core business under control. And I am definitely guilty of that. All right, you're laughing, but (laughs) I get it. You know, when we were going through, we had to keep reminding ourselves, didn't we, that boring doesn't mean that it's bad. Just because you don't have a huge social media profile, just because you don't have a huge brand profile, you can still build a really good business. It doesn't have to be public in order to be great. It also doesn't have to be and probably shouldn't be exciting every single day because I look at entrepreneur as 
that, the big picture thinking, the big ideas, the isn't it exciting every single day in, day out, whereas a business owner, and again, this is why, Tim, you and I work well together because you are the entrepreneur and I'm the business owner. The business owner is the day-to-day, is the repetition. It is the making sure it's working, keeping it flowing. It's why you need to surround yourself with both sides of the equation, the big picture thinking and the excitable and the, dare I say, boring business day in and day out because the entrepreneur and the big picture thinking and the excitement won't get anywhere if someone's not applying it. And on the flip side, the person who's applying it needs that big picture excitement in order to get to the next level. Definitely. And this is starting to recognize what you are as a business owner. Are you entrepreneurial or are you a technician or are you a manager? So everyone's probably read The E-Myth, which is a fantastic book if you're starting out to understand the different types of personalities in a really basic way. But for me, who's entrepreneurially spirited, the manager and the technician role is really not a good role for me to be in because we're not going to be successful putting me in there where you're sitting in a management role and that's probably where your disposition is that you feel most comfortable there. But you have to have both, as you said. You have to have someone who's waking up every day excited to keep growing if that's your ambition as the business, by the way, because not all businesses have to keep growing forever. That's not for every SME. But for the percentage of you that are probably listening to a podcast called Backable that are looking for the ways to get to the next level, to see your potential as a business owner, as as who you are personally, you have to understand what you're trying to achieve and what needs to be in place before you can get to the next level in order to give you a foundation that getting to the next level, the whole thing's not going to implode. So I think the thing we did early on was probably we were too slow in trying to get things right where we should have been more risky in growth strategy because we wanted the operational side to be right. But what you realize is as soon as you get to the next level, you've got to throw out the whole operational side basically anyway and rebuild it. So it doesn't even matter. It's never going to be right. So it's that fine balance, isn't it, between the boring stuff being systems, processes, the fundamentals, doing the things that work, weeding out the things that don't work, and still being entrepreneurial because we've got obviously our own personal ambitions that we have to keep innovating change and taking the next bite of the journey. And as a person who sits in that management role, if you wonder, well, where do I get my excitement from if I'm not the entrepreneurial or if I don't have that in my business, have a look at instead of the task itself, It's about everything going on around it. It's about, as Tim likes to call it, the live ammo, is that if you're building, say, a system, because that's a really easy thing to understand, a system or process for your business, if you can't get excited about the fact that you're building a checklist, you start to learn that you get excited about everything that's around that checklist. It's where it fits in the bigger picture. And if you don't have that bigger picture, that's what you have to pull back to because you'll never get excited about you know, a digital or a physical checklist. No, you have to really understand where that component fits into the machine because as all of you who listen know, we love Formula One as a concept, not necessarily who wins or loses, but the engineering and performance team, the way they behave. Like Alana and I both really enjoy the type of people that work in those environments. So the person who is sitting in a factory in a different country to the races working for that team that's machining one single component they aren't excited about one single component. They're excited about how that component fits into the machine and the importance of that component because if that component fails, the whole machine's going to be affected in a way that nobody wants, right? And this is the same thing. And when we talk about a boring business, it means getting excited even for the smallest components because you know at 
this stage in business that those components are critical. And within the digital agency and actually within the consulting, the excitement is anything that we build allows people to be better. And just a very simple example, you've got a sales funnel. What are all the different elements that need to be in a sales funnel? What are all the different elements that could fail? What are all the different elements that someone who hears to learn needs versus someone who is a visual learner? And you start to get so excited about the possibility of, let's be honest, an Excel document because it's not about what's on the Excel document. It is about the boringness of how people learn or how people see or how people understand how different industries require different lead funnels. And I hope it sounds exciting listening, but that's so much possibility. But it starts off with, we're building a sales funnel. Yeah. And if you're there listening and looking into your own business at the moment going, what am I not excited about right now? Which parts of the work that I'm doing am I not excited about? You have to recalibrate that. Why am I not excited about fixing something that's not working in my business? Because a lot of people are like, as soon as I get this stuff fixed, I can get onto the exciting stuff. But the thing you're fixing is actually the components that allow you, is the start of the what's inverted commas, exciting stuff. The exciting stuff is fixing today's current problem so you can keep pushing forward in the journey you want to do, not at the cost of that journey, by the way. And I think where it gets confused, particularly in self-funded businesses, is because you have to do a lot of the work yourself, you lose sight of A, what we're trying to do, and B, the importance of what we're currently doing. So it feels like you're actually not moving when you're building a race car. I read a great book, I think it was by Andrew Newey, who's the, uh, I think he's the technical director at Red Bull, but you'll have to correct me on that or look it up, but I'm sure anyone with Google will be able to do it. But he's written a beautiful book called How to Build a Race Car. And he talks about all these components and performance and the things they looked at. And you just realize that you actually have to fall in love with the problem and you have to keep falling in love with your business every day. You actually have to fall in love with the repetition. If we look at a relationship, so Lana and I, it's not always the honeymoon period, right? It was completely different in the first six months of our relationship to the next decade. It's not better or worse. It's just different. But a lot of entrepreneurs are always looking for the honeymoon period when they had a few wins early, but they're not falling in love with the maturity of their business and are getting frustrated by the things that seem like problems that keep popping up. But that's actually the key to the next, the next level for them. And you have to love that. And if we keep it on the relationship, it's this idea of, oh, oh. <laughs> you've done <laughs> it now. Go. And return safe, yeah. <laughs> it's the idea of, and I'll just say it to Tim because. Because yeah, no one else is listening. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Even if I don't like you, I love you. So there are times. <laughs> there, there are times in a relationship. No, we all get it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Why, why are you? Why are you nodding? Your head's going to fall off if you nod any for more than that, Nigel. Just please explain, Alana. Keep going. Um, if you're going to be with someone, again, personal opinion, you have to love them and like them. Love is stronger, though. So, Tim, I don't know if you're not going to decide what's for dinner. I might not like you in that split second, but I'm not going to walk out that door. Unless you're getting dinner. In business. <laughs> in business, you might not like what you're working on, but if you love the business, if you love the reason, if you love what you're doing, you get through the not liking because the next day 
you're going to be back in like and back in love. And it's where, again, personally, I thrive in the boring because I've seen what boring does. I've seen that digital agencies were a dime a dozen. So why was mine worth more than others? And it's because of all of the boring that went into it. It was because of all those tedious hours. How can you get anyone to build a digital strategy? How can you, and I'm sorry to creative agencies, how can you pull down every email you will ever get into seven emails? Any client email can go into seven buckets. And it's this love of boring that then allows you to fulfill what we're talking about, which is what is the point of your business? Let me give people a practical insight to that. And we like to use the agency as a a bit of an example because obviously we've lived and breathed that business. We've had some others which we'll talk about in due course. But say two years earlier in the agency, we had, I think, 15 full-time employees. By the time we got through two and a half years, through the changes and refinements and the things Lana was talking about, we were running more revenue through the agency with three people as the equivalent in terms of servicing that revenue. So have a think about that. If we were making money with 15 people at a certain revenue, we did a lot of the boring stuff that had no impact at the time, but we knew was important. We fell in love with getting that right. The two reasons, we'll talk about this a bit further, which is we're totally in love with our business and we're committed to it. And we're totally in love with our customer because we want a better experience for them. So we were making money with 15 people and then stripped out 12 to service the same amount of revenue. What do you reckon that does to your bottom line? If you've taken out 12 full-time people to service the same revenue, and this is where you've got to get excited and fall in love with this part of the process, your business and your customer. And I'm just going to add while keeping the quality. Yeah, that's the point, isn't it? It's doing all these things that people see as a waste of their time because they don't have a plan of why they're doing it. They're always feeling like they're fixing problems in their business, not fixing a component so it won't fail again under that stress. And this is the whole thing. Boring is about fixing problems because you want to make that component so much better that it won't fail again. To us, you know, this is a bit of a clickbaity podcast. It's not boring. You actually have to fall in love with that process. You have to fall in love with being better every day. And that process is slow, it's tedious, and it's the repetition of things that work and trying to untrain the things out of your whole organization that don't work. And for us, as I said, it's a clickbaity title. We love that. We do love it. And the agency has had many iterations and currently we're going back to what we were. We're going back to the strong systems and processes and got a GM in and he's got such a strong background in client service and client side that that's where the entrepreneurial spirit will come into it. The system and the process is boring, but what it can do and how it can be better and how it can make people better, that's where I personally find the excitement. And I think that that's probably the next question for you, Tim, is around how do you actually find that excitement? Because for us, it's easy. We've done it for so long. We know where we find our excitement. We know what we hate. We know what we love. And we know that if we don't like it today, we'll like it tomorrow. I'm going to probably sound a bit weird here. No. But I love the business. And it's not because I want to keep it forever. I'm in love with our businesses because I love the process of building them. So I'm more interested in the building 
and each of the components that we can be better, do better, change, try. But that's not a pain. And we all go through the same things. It's like building a house. It's really exciting and a big pain in the neck until it's finished and then you realise you miss it. Are you in love with the businesses or do you love business? I'm in love with each of the businesses and the way business works. I had this discussion with a client the other day, which was, I say a discussion, all our clients as they inevitably do when you make money together, you become friends, is you have to find a way to fall in love with your business again because they were having a tough time during the pandemic. But you actually have to find a way to re-remember what you loved about wanting to do this business. And it's not just the business, by the way, you have to fall in love with the client you're serving. Because when you are in love with serving that client, you want to do better. You want to give them more. I think the reason we find innovation quite easy in our business, Lana, because we're always asking the question, what if we could just give them this? Not charge for this, give them this. If we could do this for this person, what would that mean to their life? We've had those experiences now where it's just become a, a byproduct of what we do because when you see people change their life, you get motivated to help them, right? So they make some more money. Their kids can go to better schools potentially. They can buy the car that they've always wanted. They can not have any financial stress. They actually enjoy going to work. You have to love what you do, whatever it is. And it doesn't need to be rocket science or it doesn't need to be changing lives every day. You do what you do well, but you've got to want to do it great. You've got to be number one in your industry. You've got to try and be number one because the people who make all the money in your industry are in the top few percent. The best butcher in the suburbs making the most money, right? The best personal trainer in the suburbs making the most money in that suburb. The best couple of percent of personal training franchises are exponentially making more money in the industry. What I'm saying is it doesn't matter how big you are or where you sit, it's understanding that You've got to be in love with being the best of the type of business you want to be, regardless of size. If you pull it back to the boring, it's really easy to get excited about an idea. It's really, I'll say, easy to get a product to market, to start a business with a service. It's simple, get the ABN, go out to market. Where the boring comes into it is what you're talking about around caring. It's boring to care in that I could go and do 50 different things. Or most people find it boring (laughs) because it's not. (laughs) True. It can be boring for others to care because I could go off and do 50 different things. But if my client, if my customer don't want it or need it or don't see value in it, then it's a bad idea. And it's the boring of caring because it makes you better in the long run, but it might not necessarily be sexy or new when you're looking at it from the point of view of, but I just want to do it. Yeah. And you're so right in that because a lot of recent discussions with people have been, they've been a little bit um, bored by their businesses because they're doing the same thing. And because of the COVID lockdowns, particularly in the city that we live in, everyone started to have dreams of grandeur where they're looking for big moves because they feel like they're not moving fast enough. And we're having these conversations, which is if you're finding your business boring, what part of it is boring? If it is because I'm doing the same things every day, the question has to be asked is why? Because what we said at the start of this podcast is you have to do those things, but it's not you personally. It means the business has to do those things. So change your role, evolve your role, 
And people go, but I don't know how because we need to earn more money in order for me to change my role. Go, great. Now you know the next problem in your business. You're not earning enough money to replace yourself in the role you're playing. Others will come back and say, but I'm doing too many roles. Great. That is your problem right now. You need to relook at the fundamentals. And for a lot of you that are listening here, it's not just the really small businesses that have this problem. We're dealing with people that are in the tens of millions of dollars turnover and they're going through the same problem. But we've been doing this for so long. My role has always been like this. Great. But it's only right for this time in your business. If you want to change, grow, we'll go to the next level. You actually have to change that fundamentally because it's not working. You're still making a lot of money, but it's not allowing you to be in the areas of opportunity we need you in, or we can't find the person who can be in that area of opportunity. And I think maybe that's a good stage two discussion, which is stage one being you've got to be excited about building a machine. Stage two, the excitement comes from doing the fundamentals as an organization so you can release your time, create more resources so you can be more entrepreneurial again. So you've set up your base level business. It's doing well, but your focus can now be on the opportunities. If that's the role you need to play, if you're that entrepreneurial type, which we've spoken about before, London, when we were going through, you essentially freed my time up to be entrepreneurial and you looked after the business to make sure it kept doing what it needed to and it grew. But it doesn't mean you're less entrepreneurial, but that was the role that we needed for the business at the time for you to play. And I needed to go out and find the innovation, find the next thing, work out what's the next two, three years look like in our company. Which again, if anyone listens and thinks, well, why does Tim get to go out and do the exciting entrepreneurial and Alana does the boring business build? Personally, it comes back to what is that bigger picture? I remember when I was very bored in one of the businesses and I was very open about the fact that I was bored. It's because the end goal wasn't exciting for me. There wasn't a purpose to it. There was great, we could sell it to make money or we could keep doing it. But there was nothing that really said, yep, that's what I want. Fast forward 12 months and I'm back in love with it. And it's across the board because Tim might get to go out and be entrepreneurial, but that's what drives him. What drives me, it's what I'm doing it for. Would you want to do that role? Entrepreneurial? Yeah. No, absolutely not. Because I think that's important too. A lot of you thinking out there might go, the last thing I want to do is be entrepreneurial. It's more identifying who you are, isn't it? Who you are and what you want to get from it. Yeah. Because you can go, if you're a builder and you're not an entrepreneur, find yourself a person who thinks entrepreneurial because it can just be for two hours every week or two hours a fortnight that you talk to this person. Sometimes that's enough to get that. By the way, it's not anything against builders. It means if you're a technical person who likes building, (laughs) but for an example would be if you're not entrepreneurial inclined that you say, listen, I've been a builder for using Lana's example and what I do is build houses, but you've got ambition to grow a big building company. You might decide, well, perhaps I need to bring in some entrepreneurial thinking. Maybe it it starts on the small level with bringing in a business development manager of some sort. I'm just so worried about saying that because a lot of people think that solves the problems and it doesn't, but it's about working out, this is the role I want to play in the business. Now, where's the gap between who I am and what I want to achieve in this company. I see what happened there. I meant business builder. I know you said you basically call builders boring. So yeah, yeah, cool. And that's not true. They can come along with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of times you sit there and you think, I want something different. I want something more. I want more excitement. Do you? Because I can tell you my day-to-day is plenty exciting if you're a person like me. Yeah. So you, you get excitement in the role or the component you need to 
make work in our machine. Because I know what the end goal is. And that there are people working on that though. Yes. Because if there was no one doing that, it might feel like a hamster wheel to you. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. Well, I'm glad you've got something out of <laughs> You can hear my then. thought process on air. <laughs> Just on that point though, any role within the business and the person playing it becomes boring. The entrepreneurial side of the business looks exciting to the other people in the business looking at it because they're not tied to a desk. They're going out and doing all those other things. But that person going out and doing those meetings, TK, do you find that boring in the repetition of having the same conversations over and over again and having to open up those opportunities? Um, yes, I find some of the types of meetings boring because they're not the types of meetings that I want to be at in this stage of our business development. But that's why we pay people to do that. And that's why we have people in those roles. I would have real trouble if I can't be entrepreneurial and I can't be, I don't want to say in a dreamlike state, but if I can't constantly be having a look or it's not even looking, this is how I want the future to be. Who can help me create it? Because that's the excitement of me. It's just clear on what we need to do, but I need the help putting it in play. So if I know that the meetings are on the road to where we want to get to, I am completely engaged. It's when you're in things that you know 100% where you shouldn't be spending your time, that's when the boredom, but not only a boredom, I just got to a point now where I just won't do them. I think boredom's actually throwing the conversation a little bit because the meetings you find exciting when you're in them, the right ones, but the meetings play a very small part in the entrepreneurial lifestyle as well. Because I see you sitting and pouring over models and spreadsheets and those kind of things. That plays a large part in creating the next part of the vision. Yeah. And that's what I guess you have to work out is when we talk about boring, we're talking about I think smaller business owners that are bored in the role they're playing because they've got no plan for tomorrow. So it feels like they're waiting for something to happen. So I think that's a very dangerous thing for smaller businesses, even bigger businesses. As I said, this is not about, you know, you might be a little startup that's getting your first few customers. We've got people literally doing 20, 30, $40 million and they're having the same thing because they've built a big small business. They behave like a small business. It just does a lot of money, but they want to actually try different things and be out in different areas and challenge themselves to try and do things that they see, but they're still so caught up in their business by how they've built the business around them that they can't release themselves. And so the whole idea behind this is how do you fall in love with making the changes of what needs to happen? Because you're right, I think boring is the wrong word. It's around when do I not feel challenged anymore? And sometimes I think you get to a stage where some people don't want any more challenge in their business. I've seen a lot of business owners that find different priorities in life and what they actually want from their business right then and now is, I just want it to replicate this for the next decade. And that's not boring for them because what they want to do is try and just get what they need out to have their life that they want. For us, and we've spoken about this a lot, Alana and I are trying to build our little empire together. We've got ambition to see how far we can take our business and not just us, our partners and get everyone what they want. So we are totally focused on that. So no component feels boring. Yes, you know, sometimes we're doing systems processes and talking about things like that. And it's not as exciting as buying a company, investing in something, putting in growth strategies, you know, whatever it is. But it's really calibrating for you is if you ever feel bored, what am I really bored about? Because I've seen a lot of people that are bored in their business, but they're actually bored in life. 
And so they're blaming the business, but they're actually a boring person. Isn't that what parents tell their children when they say I'm bored? They say there's yeah. no such thing as boredom. There's only a boring person. Yeah. If you're in a boring conversation, you're the problem. <laughs> that's how I see it. If I find myself in a conversation that's boring, I realize how boring I'm being. People go, that's just silly, Tim. I go, well, you should never be there. Just leave. I can't because that would be rude. Then change the conversation or find out more or find the interest in it. Find the interest in that part of the business journey you're in right now. On that point, I think it's quite interesting with lacking challenge and no boredom, just a boring person. No one else is going to challenge you. No one else is going to make you find your personal goal or your business goal. No one can do that for you. And I think that that's a very interesting point when you are quite lost. Sorry, I completely disagree with you. Having shared an office with you guys for 12 years, (laughs) consistently challenged from outside. But I think that's maybe different to what you're speaking about. But I've got the right people around me to actually challenge me in areas that I'm unaware of, I guess. And you're open to accepting the challenge as opposed to being challenged and then someone turning around saying, well, that's not fair. What do you mean by that, Nigel? I'm just trying to catch up. Are you saying that external factors challenge you in business? Uh, Lana said that nobody can challenge you, but on a daily basis in various ways, whether it's overt or not, we're all challenging each other to be better, to make better choices. Actually, I'll talk only for myself. I am consistently challenged by you guys because you are such high performance. So my challenge is how do I be better today to keep up and try to get in front and set the pace for a time? Yeah. And I'm not sure if we're high performers in terms of if I looked at Alana and I, where I think we could be performing, even though by normal metrics, yes, we're doing okay and we do it quickly. However, it's for me, I constantly miss an environment that's striving for pushing the boundaries. And it's one of the things, as I've spoken about before, I enjoy the environments like when you're in elite sports teams, people are always self-motivated to see how far they can personally progress to. And it's a bit different in business environments because not everyone's there for that factor. But obviously in our companies, we're trying to find people who are there because they want to challenge how good they can be in an area. So who is it in our business that is there to self-motivate. And what I see as our job is to provide an environment that supports people who are challenging themselves. This is not for every business, by the way, because I think it's a little unfair to hear an idea and then go in tomorrow to your business and sort of be in a bad mood because you don't have what you think you want. But I only bring in people into our businesses that will culturally fit into what we're trying to achieve, which is you shouldn't need motivation in our businesses. You're a motivated person in our business. I'm not going to teach motivation and I'm not going to try and inspire every day. We're going to have a vision of what we're trying to create. But the type of people that are in our companies and why I think it's, you know, it really helps is they would be motivated to make the best omelet in the morning. They would be motivated to do things better in every aspect of their life. We're just hunting them out because it's those type of people we want. It doesn't mean that they're competitive to a point where they want everyone else to lose for them to win. They just have self-pride. They actually would perform the same whether they were getting paid a dollar a year or $100,000 or a million dollars a year. I remember myself personally, when I was stacking drinks in a fridge as one of my jobs as a teen, I would put my previous best time on the little garage where they stored the drinks to see if I could beat it the night before. I was like, that took me 14 minutes and 77 seconds. It's not 77, obviously, because it's 15 minutes. And yeah, (laughs) but I would put the time 
it took me to stack a fridge on a Tuesday and next Tuesday I'd want to beat that time. And so what I would do is when I was at uh, the art centre, which I was a coffee girl and a cleaner and food server, it would be about, for example, if I was doing the dishes, leaving it as clean as I possibly could. So nothing to do with competition with anyone else, but completely about making sure that I had done the best job for me. Yep. So no competition with anyone, just full competition with myself, which is exactly, exactly what you're talking same. about. This is probably why we're married. Yep. But th- this is the point. You've got to work out what that is for you. So for me, being around the types of people that you guys are and the rest of our team, by the way, is because they're driven the same way. They're actually bought into doing things well to see how well they can be done. A lot of people find as they go through their business life that they're outgrowing some of the early people that were working with them because they were right for that time. But your ambition wants to go the next level and it requires a new type of person, a new type of energy. We had this situation with a client a few months back where they've had some really long-term employees and they're really good people, but they're not right for the next stage of leadership in the company. And it's really tough because they're good people. They're just not right for tomorrow. So what do you do? Obviously, there's different tactics and strategies, but this whole idea of doing the fundamentals, performing well, is falling in love with the business you're in and the challenge it has today or your ambition of tomorrow. As soon as you get that, you actually like every day. I mean, Lani, you've fallen out in love with your business. Well, one of your businesses, you know, the agency, you fell in love with it then you hated it, then you loved it, and you're just sick of it. Now you're back in love with it. Funny enough, the revenue numbers absolutely trend to Lana's love for the business, by the way. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're out of love, we drop. When you're in love, we gain. I've been tracking it. (laughs) Oh, sorry, this might be a realisation. Give Lana a couple of minutes to just Um, (laughs) – because energy is everything, right? I will say for the first time in however many years in the agency, I'm doing a role that I'm really good at because I've got an equal on the other side who is my yin to my yang, who is equally good at completely different things. Yeah, you've brought in the same energy but with a different skill set, which is the next phase of the business. And I remember we were on on a Philodemo Zoom actually, on a Thursday client Zoom. For those playing at home, that's our performance consultancy that we – say don't mention on the podcast because we don't want it to be a thing. But anyway, yep. Sorry. Um, And we were talking about the building of the business and I pretty much said, I don't care what happens to the business as long as we get to the next level with it. If we're doing no social media and we have to become a design agency, I'm okay with that if that is what is required for the business because I can't be tied to it. And someone in the session asked, but how do you stop yourself from being emotionally attached to what the business is? And I think there's a very big difference between being in love with your business and being in love with what you've created. And for me, they're two very different things. And I had to learn, I will say very much the hard way. If you're in love with what you've created, you can't grow it because it has to be built in your vision. Someone has an opinion and that opinion is wrong if it's not your opinion and ideas are not as openly free. I love the agency, but I'm in love with it that I'm willing to burn it down to create what it needs. Can I interpret what I think you're saying there? Because You and Nigel both got excited by that. Interpret. (laughs) For me is when Lana and I talk about loving our business, it's not some weird thing that we're in love with a piece of paper that's a legal entity. It's the process, the thing that we've learned over the last few years, which funnily exponentially changes your earning capacity is we're not attached to what it needs to be. 
we are in love with seeing what it can be. And I think I read somewhere a very interesting thing on parenting, which is, and by the way, I am not allowed to talk on this, but I read a very interesting thing, which was your job is to protect the kid up until they can protect themselves. But the ultimate sort of parent is allowing their natural energy of who they are so they can find their own interests and things that they love in the world and be great at that, where a lot of parents are pushing what was great for them onto their kid because they had a great experience doing this as a kid, so you would do it. But I really liked that idea because it felt like the same thing with a business. We started the business to be this, but after you've got it through a safe period and you start earning some revenue and it's got its own feet. There's a level of planning what we want it to be and allowing the opportunity to come to what it needs to be. And this is where a lot of entrepreneurial people fight with themselves because the opportunity is trying to bang their door down, but they're not open to it because it wasn't what we originally thought this business will be. And I think that's, yeah, it's everything. I think this ties into both of what you said. When you first said you can't love what you've created, my initial reaction was that's wrong, but it's actually completely right. And it's semantics of words. If you've loved what you've created, you're looking in the past and you can't change that because if you change it, you're changing something or destroying something you love. If you love what you're creating, that means it is open to change. It ties in with the let your child find their own interests, let your business find its own interests and its own lives. What you just said there, Nigel, it is, I think, very important that there's a fine line between being well-planned and having a goal and allowing things to happen to your business. And I think as we progress in business, and this is the key to trying to free yourself up because a lot of people that start their business actually need more free time to look for opportunities because that's their superpower. A lot of people who started their business might think they're a technician, but actually their superpower is finding opportunity in their industry. So it's not waiting for things to happen to you. It's progressing to a direction that feels right. But then as new opportunities open up or you see them or something you thought would work doesn't work, that you have the ability then to change. And I think we spoke about it on a podcast or some social content the other day, which was an A-grade team with a B-grade idea is going to beat an A-grade idea with a B-grade team because in this moment, which is progressing with purpose, but the ability to stay on course and not be distracted but also being able to see where the trend is or the opportunity and make the changes when that occurs. I think that's the ultimate business builder is finding that balance. And I'll give you, I'll say a good example of that, which was one of the most boring things you can do is send out an email in order to get sales into the business. And there's very few people who will say that is something I genuinely enjoy. When I was trying to get sales, when I was getting sales, and this would have been we'll say three years ago now, I sent an email out to all past clients saying, I'm going to call you. This is why I'm going to call you. Feel free not to answer the phone because this is a classic sale. So no harm done, but I'm letting you know. One of the people I emailed called me back, gave me work for the agency, is now on our board, and we're looking at how we can do more work together beyond. Yeah, That was from the most boring thing that you could possibly do in sales, which is send an email. But I had to make it myself, which was, I don't send cold emails without it being respectful. This guy is now, I'd call him a very dear friend now. We've got a really strong relationship and it's solely because from boredom came the ability to have an opportunity.
let's talk about a pro tennis player. Everyone would be excited about winning Wimbledon, the French Open or the US Open or the Australian Open. And everyone would love to be standing there and hit that miraculous shot that wins the championship, right? But what is actually the job of a pro tennis player? To probably hit 10, 20, 100,000 forehands every single year since they were six years old, right? It's the fundamentals of that skill set. So sending out an email and doing those fundamentals, it might not be exciting because I'd rather be working on acquisitions and you know digital marketing strategies as opposed to, I think I'll email consistently my old clients and see how they are. They're the things that are missed by so many businesses that they don't realize the opportunities they're missing because they're trying to do something amazing because they're trying to 10x their business or they're trying to quadruple your business in a quarter. All these social media hashtags that have been picked up by the small business owners and it's like a light bulb moment. Oh, I just have to think bigger and I'll be bigger. I go, no, no, no. You are skipping the fundamentals. And even if you have a couple of wins, you're going to trip over at stage two anyway. It's about not being sucked in to the stupidity of it. And the irony being that the fact that that message got in front of that person, the social media person is doing the boring fundamentals over and over and over and over again (laughs) to get there. Absolutely. They're doing the fundamentals and everyone else is looking for a Hail Mary. And this is that whole point of you've got to fall in love with the things you have to do. Nobody enjoys brushing their teeth, but the byproduct of not brushing your teeth is not good for your health, right? The business has the same type of behaviors you have to keep repeating, even though they don't seem like they're getting you anywhere. And you also have to be exactly who you are within a business context here, obviously. I could have sent an email out that said, hi, everyone, Solana Harari here. This is my agency. I'd love to tell you about everything that we're doing. And I'd say 80 to 90% of people on that list would have seen right through it because they'd worked with me before. It's a cold email to be fair. And at the end of it is a sale. To be able to send that email and have my personality in there, whether you like it or don't like it, don't really care. This is why I'm emailing you. I know this is what you're thinking. No offense. The amount of people who wrote back to that and said, oh, it's been so long, don't actually need your services, but how are you? Yeah. Which went on to have LinkedIn connections, Facebook connections, Instagram connections. They've been sending referrals ever since is because I was exactly who they knew that I was, even though I was asking for something. And it's when you get through and you can call it authenticity, you can call it being yourself, whatever suits what you're talking about, you will never be happy with being bored if you're trying to be something else. Yeah. And we were speaking about it the other day, Lana, which was a really lovely client of ours, was struggling with their business when they first came in. And they were really small, a lovely husband and wife team. And they'd just been trying for so long to grow their business, so long. And they were just, they felt like they were in a hamster wheel. They were just constantly trying, but it was tough. Everything about it was tough. It was pressure on the marriage. It was pressure on their family. They were thinking about whether they should just go and get jobs and finish their dream of of running their own company. And we were sitting down and talking to them about, listen, you have to do the boring things consistently at this stage of the company. Eventually, we'll pay someone to work for you that will do the boring things consistently in your business. And that's the good thing for everyone listening. You don't have to do it forever. As soon as you get some more revenue in and you can release it, you can pay people to do all these tasks for you while you release yourself from them. But they took the challenge and they said, all right, tell us what to do and we'll do it because we don't care. They're at the end of their tether. And the really exciting thing was over the next three months, they decided to email 400 people that they'd either met 
know, could get a referral from. Not spamming everyone, just literally contacting everyone and finding out more about their business and who they were in their industry because they haven't met. It was just a really basic, don't sell, you don't know enough people, let's see what happens. Of course, we knew what was going to happen. But (laughs) after meeting 400 new people and just having a good conversation, and these were ultra nice people, they literally, six months later, had more money in their bank account than they've ever had. They were outsourcing work to people they'd employed and subcontracted because they could do it now because they could afford it because the work that used to be great work for them was small work to them now and they completely transformed their business and life because they did the most boring thing that everyone who says they do it hardly ever do. They literally found out or spoke to every person that they could add value to and that could add value to them and they didn't even have a sales strategy apart from be a good human. Be yourself. How boring is that? And all those guys did was change their whole freaking life. It's as simple as that. And as simple as that. And that's why we're talking about this. It doesn't have to be magical. You just have to enjoy doing the things you need to do to grow a company. And I don't know many people that actually do it. And that's the interesting thing. And that's also the exciting thing for everyone listening. What are you not doing that you know you should be doing that would change your business? Do more of that. Lana, Nigel, I don't know if this was a boring podcast, but <laughs> oh, geez, dead air. But, but this is the for us the excitement, which is falling in love with your business, falling in love with building each component and putting those components under stress test so when they do break, you can enjoy building them bigger and better again. Great way to grow a company, huh? Nice chat. Let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.